Blog Talk Radio. BDPA I Radio, linking business, education, and technology. The BDPA I Radio show creates a vibrant communications platform that speaks to all BDPA stakeholders. Hosted by Fran McNeil. Sponsored by the BDPA Education and Technology Foundation and the BTF Executive Director, Wayne Hicks. Produced by Michelle F. Ortman. Online chat coordinated by Everaldo Gallimore. Technical advice by John Melanson. BDPA iRadio broadcast the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Join us on www.blogtalkradio.com slash BDPA. Well, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Fran McNeil, and tonight is the fourth Tuesday of the month. It's February 28th, 2012. And welcome to the BDPAI radio show. We have three very exciting guests from all over BDPA Nation. In fact, our first guest is Pamela Sexton, and she's chapter president of BDPA Chicago. Our second guest is the one and only Dr. Jesse Benley. And he is the founder of the High School Computer Competition as well as the IT Showcase. And our third guest hails from Philadelphia, where I am also located. And our third guest is Janice Coleman, President and CEO of Janice Coleman Corporation. Well, I am going to jump right into the show because I've already received a number of questions from individuals all over the country saying, we want to know, we want to hear who is on the show, and we want to have a chance to hear from them as much as possible. So I'm going to welcome our first guest, Pam Sexton, and she is completing her second year of her term of office as president of the largest BDPA chapter in the nation, and that's, of course, BDPA Chicago. Now, the BDPA Chicago chapter earned the 2011 Outstanding Community Service Award under Pam's leadership. In addition, Pam served for the past three years as the National BDPA Conference Director. And if any of you out there in the iRadio show audience have attended the BDPA conferences in the last three years, you know that they were phenomenal. Now, this year, well, actually in 2011, um, what was really kind of cool for Pam is that the National Conference was held in the Windy City. And I am going to just stop right now and welcome Pam to the show. How are you doing, Pam? I'm doing very well. How are you? Just fine, thanks. You know, uh, again, as I shared, folks really want to know um, what are some of your memorable moments from the conference? And I, I usually have a standard question I ask first. They're like, Fran, hold off. We want to hear <laughs> from someone that, you know, led the conference um, kind of uh, as the national conference director for the last three years. We want to know sort of what were some of her memorable moments. So would you would you share that with us, Pam? Um, probably my most memorable moment was just the fact that it was in Chicago. And since I was born and raised here, it was just an extraordinary experience for me overall. 
and then the support of my corporate advisory council was overwhelming as well as my board of directors. So all those things tied together just made it an incredible conference experience for me. Mm, and that was kind of the pinnacle of the, the three years because the, the previous year, where were they the two years prior to that? Philadelphia and um, Raleigh was one year. So it was just, you know, just quite overwhelming being at home to do everything. Right, right. Saved on probably a lot of travel. And again, as you said, you got to leverage all of the support that was part of your home base. Well, exactly. You know, in, in creating um, that role and, and really serving in that role as National Conference Director, what are some of the best practices that you took away from that multi-term experience? Well, I kind of use best practices over a number of different experiences. I use them with the conference as well as chapter president, as well as being a leader at HSBC. So um, there's three things that I really focus on. One is team building. It's very key to have a team that has camaraderie and that supports each other and wants to work together. So that's one primary thing that I try and do all, across all three roles. The other thing would be to lead by example. So I try not to ask anybody on the team to do anything that I wouldn't do. So sometimes it puts me in a very, you know, a very special position, but that is one thing that I do is that I won't ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do. And the last thing is to try and set expectations with everyone to make sure I know where everyone feels they need to be. Hmm. Well, now, can you expand a little bit on that last one in terms of setting expectations? Well, I have very high expectations for myself, so I set very high expectations for the team as well. But sometimes people may not be at that same place. So I kind of do a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with people who might need to need that extra push or that extra help, or that extra motivation. So I'm willing okay, to give that as long as the person is willing to meet me there. Okay, okay. I was wondering about that, because sometimes people are in work situations, volunteer situations, um, as a result of transition, as a result of change, as a result of um, you know, an opportunity not being available, or being available, and they, in a sense, are afraid or reluctant to step up to the challenge. And so when you identified that you do set the bar high, I wondered if there were some individuals that almost even pulled back further um, because yeah, they were that, afraid. That definitely happens, but when that situation arises, I try to build a nurturing partnership to let them know that I'm not just tossing it over the wall. I'm here with you. This is us working together as well as the rest of the team supporting each other. So it's not just go do this or try that. It's us working all together. It's a collaborative effort. Mm, okay. Okay. That's, that's helpful. So 
how did <clears throat> excuse me some of that come into play, particularly, and I'm going to go back to last year when you were coordinating a conference that was in your home base, and yet you know there were leaders from across the country that needed to play an integral part and weren't ne- didn't necessarily have the luxury of walking two blocks or driving 20 minutes to get there in order to help plan or set the stage for something that might happen six months later? Well, what I tried to do in those scenarios was try to be their voice. So I would talk to them, see what their needs were, make sure those requirements were being met and not just leaving them out on the limb to show up at the conference, you know, a few days before and have to catch up. So I tried to make sure that as much as I could do prior to them being here, even if they weren't, was in place for them so they would be able to just walk into the situation and be successful. Mm-hmm. So the, I'm, I'm hearing then a sense of both leading and doing because you had to kind of make sure that some of the execution happened before they got there. Correct. Definitely so because, you know, it's all about the team's success. It's not my success. I can't be successful if everyone isn't. It's about the organization. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, it's it's definitely a, a good thing that in your uh, new role within the BDPA organization that you're then the national BDPA VP of strategy and planning. Um, and I, I can see this connection between the three years as the conference director and this new role. Um, and, and for our, our listening audience, though, what are some of the, the pieces that, you know, the transferable skills and um, how does your experience with BDPA overall help prepare you to execute this new role? Um, I would say the experience with BDPA has played a huge part in that. Um, you know, thinking strategically, planning has been ongoing with the chapter even prior to being president as a board member, as a just an ongoing member. You know, just taking the opportunities that were presented and looking at the bigger picture of the whole organization. So a lot of that came into play when I did decide to, partake in the role of VP of strategy and planning, I wanted to make sure that everything that I did would help to support that role and everything that I've learned thus far would make the organization more of a success than it has been over the past years because the goal is to continue the pattern. So if I can't do that, then how could I possibly go into this role blindly? I had to take everything that I've learned so far and incorporate it into that. And and in building on that, what then is your vision for 2012-2013 as it relates to your role and and what does that mean for BDPA? My vision is obviously to make it um, what our founder, Earl Pace, said he would like it to be. He wants it to be what people equate with when they think of technology. So as much as I can do that and have supporting partners with me to do that, we want BDPA to become the name 
that people think of when they think of technology, um, the technology leaders, the IT thought leaders. When we go through that process, that's what we want people to think of with BDPA. So for me, the vision is just that. And strategically, those were put into place two years prior, and we're just building onto that foundation. Okay. So, you know, that's that's interesting. As I listen to you share that, I know that within the show um, and in some of our um, announcements in between guests, we use the phrase from the classroom to the boardroom. Um, and I have to say, as a host, I don't know if I've used the, the phrase thought leaders and um, positioning as technology leaders. So when you look across the communication vehicles for BDPA, and feel free to focus on the iRadio show, um, what, how, how can some of the communication leaders within the organization um, help you execute on that vision and help you execute on Earl Pace's vision? Well, I think it's having structured communication to make sure that when something comes from BDPA, that people are expecting it and that they're eager to see what it is. So whether that's Facebook or whether it's an email blast or whether it's some other marketing channel through another medium, we want to make sure that when people see BDPA, they want to they want to read it. They want to know what's going on. So that's what we've been focusing on for 2012 and 2013 is to strategically communicate to make sure that we're using whatever channels we are, that people will know that this is a sincere message, it's urgent, and I need to see what it is because something is happening. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's helpful. So let's, let's turn the clock back a little bit. How did you get attracted to, how did you find out about BDPA, and what made you decide to become a member in the very beginning? I found out BDP from B, about BDPA from my company. They were a sponsor of the organization, and they told me when I moved to a different location that I would be a BDPA member. And as I started to gain knowledge about the organization, I learned about the HSCC program. And having a high school student at the time, I knew that um, I needed something that was going to make my son a success in this world. And I looked more into the program, and the HSCC program was just so overwhelmingly powerful, and it was a huge success. And I just thought, oh, my son needs to be a part of this, and if my son is going to be a part of this, then I have to be a part of it. So that was the reason that I became involved in the organization was for my son specifically. Now, that's that's a really powerful story because people come to BDPA for a number of reasons. And part of what continues to keep BDPA in people's hearts and minds is that aspect of community. We're all part of a larger community, whether it's the community of the family or community of work or the physical location. 
And I know that last year, BPA Chicago um, won the award for outstanding community service um, under your chapter leadership. What's been the impact of winning that award? And maybe what were some of the things that the activities and or actions or strategies that helped you win that award? So I guess that's really a two-part. How did you get there? And now that you have that award, what is happening differently within the chapter? Um, I got there by sharing my vision with someone who was just as excited and passionate about the organization as myself and putting that person into the director role. And when I told them what I wanted from it, they ran with it. And they took us to places we hadn't been before. So that was one thing that led to it. Um, some of the impact has been incredible. We've had people reach out to us that we didn't go after. So that's been a, a great thing for the chapter. But also at the chapter meetings, we've seen a lot of unfamiliar faces that have come to find out what is BDPA about that we know that will ultimately become members and volunteers to support the organization. So I'm, I'm hearing a pattern, I'll use one of your words, a reoccurring theme, um, starting from the very beginning of our conversation, um, that sense of building the team, leading by example, setting expectations, um, creating an environment where people are attracted to really in a sense, be the best that they can be. You just you just mentioned that the person that took on that director role, um, you know, uh, really made a commitment and and grew it and produced results. And then um, the sense of urgency and the sense of um, really living out uh, the direction and the directive that Earl Pace and the founders set out. So as we wrap up, Pam, um, what are some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience to leave them with as they move into March? And really, we're only a few months away from the 2012 uh, National BDPA Conference. So what would you like people to be thinking about? I'd like people to get involved. I think that volunteerism is the number one way to experience BDPA and to develop and grow your own potential. And as I tell students that I talk to, don't overlook the opportunity. Hmm. Don't overlook the opportunity. That is a great sound bite, and it really is a wonderful way to encourage people and certainly coming from um, a leader who has helped us with national conferences in the past and a leader that has helped her chapter win the Community Service Award. Pam, I really want to thank you for your presidency, your leadership, um, and your encouragement. And thanks for being a guest on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, we're going to check in uh, just for a few moments with the one and only Wayne Hicks, 
Um, and he is going to give us the BETF update. Wayne, are you on the line? Yes, Fred. How are you today? Just fine, thanks. I am so glad that you're here to join us. Um, did you have an opportunity to hear Pamela? Yeah, she she understates the significance of her achievements over over the um, past years. Um, just this past month, uh, her chapter had a program meeting where they they uh, had a workshop, the seminar had over seventy five people that were in attendance. Um, she she really does understate the the power. Her chapter has been the number one leading chapter in terms of membership um, for for going on eleven years. Um, she they just really doing some great stuff out there. Um, I will let you know the uh, the quick BETF minute because I, I really am also looking forward to the next two guests. Um, the the uh, foundation has been invited to participate uh, next month on Mar the weekend of March the 16th at the National BDPA Leadership Training Program. It'll be a, uh, a two-day event that's going to be in Baltimore. It's kind of a kickoff for the annual conference that'll be later later on. In introduction to a lot of the folks in the city, a lot of the corporations in the city, and then also a training program and open session for BDP leaders from around the country. And uh, the foundation will be there to talk about fundraising and and, and helping those local chapters um, learn different ways to raise the funds they need to put on the programs that they have. Um, on another, we we were very proud this. Over the last couple of weeks since the last show, um, we've been able to provide grant disbursements to the BDPA New Jersey chapter and the BDPA Los Angeles chapter. Uh, both of those grant disbursements were to help them with their high school computer competition uh, training that's currently taking place. And then over the last two weeks, um, we have sent off five grant proposals in support of three chapters. Um, we sent for Cincinnati chapter, we are requesting $5,000 in funding from the Harris Foundation. For that chapter, we're also requesting $25,000 in support from Procter & Gamble, uh, the Procter & Gamble Fund. For the Dallas chapter, we have two $5,000 grants that have been sent out to Cisco, to the local civic council that's there in Richardson, Texas, right outside of Dallas. And another 5000 was sent to SAP America. And then finally, for the Middle Tennessee chapter that's located in, in the, Nashville, the greater Nashville area, they've actually approached uh, their local Costco store and have requested $3,000 worth of gift cards that, they, that uh, we are hopeful to be able to um, use with, during the training as incentives for the young people and the volunteers in their training. So that's some of the activities that have been taking place within the foundation over the last couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to the remainder of the show, Fran. Well, thank you so much, Wayne. It's really great to hear that uh, the foundation is participating in the leadership training and getting the word out. And thank you so much for the work that you do on a daily basis to support the chapters and make that connection in the sponsorship world and the different communities that BDPA is, in fact, a thought leader um, and a technology leader. So we are going to return to our show, and our next guest is Dr. Jesse Benley. Many of the BDPA iRadio listening audience do know Dr. Benley, and I would like to just give a little brief, brief background. Dr. Benley is the director of the Joint Educational Facilities, JEF, and JEF provides a wonderful service which gives high school students the ability to build and use sophisticated technology resources. 
his program makes his students attractive to colleges, universities, and employers because he provides his students with the skills and confidence they need to succeed. Many of you may know that Dr. Benley is the inspiration behind the over a quarter of a century of the high school computer competition program, as well as a decade of the BDPA IT Showcase. There's literally thousands of BDPA students that have benefited from the genius of Dr. Jesse Benley. Well, welcome, Dr. Benley. How are you tonight? Just fine, Fran, and you? I am fine. I am so excited. I had a, an opportunity to talk with you uh, last week, and I'm I'm so glad that we're now live on the air for others to um, hear about you and your program. And one of the things that we did talk about is perhaps having you do a three-minute update on every show, very similar to what Wayne just did with the two-minute update of the BETF um, organization. But let's let's jump right in. Dr. Henley, obviously um, you were the brain trust behind the high school computer competition. And what I'd like to jump right in on is what are some inspirational stories from your perspective that have come out of the high school computer competition? Well, um, we had a young man uh, back in the early 90s uh, who who didn't quite make the team. And he was very disappointed about that, but we took him to... Um, we took him to L.A. where he made a presentation, uh, and he was very happy to go to to L.A. to the to the L.A. conference. And um, that young man was um, had a 2.0 average, and he scored 800 on the SAT. And we were able to get him a full ride to Florida A&M. Full scholarship. He wow. went down there, and, and how did we do that? How did you do that? Well, um, we had one young man who was in the competition who was the valedictorian of his class, and he scored a 1,200 on the SAT. And the president of Florida A&M gave him a full scholarship just because. Well, uh, the the chair of the computer science department talked to me and said that uh, he wanted to, to do some things for students that were affiliated with BDPA and some of my students. So I told him about this young man, and he came up to D.C., and he chatted with the young man, and he said, you know, he is everything I want in a student. He just does not have the numbers, so I can't give him money. And so he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you and he a trip to the university during homecoming where all of our industry sponsors are, will be there, and I'm going to try to get them to give him money directly. He did that. We went down, and uh we, I gave a presentation. The young man gave a presentation. 
there were seventy there were the representatives of seventy five fortune five hundred corporations sitting around the table. They gave him a standing ovation and he walked out of there with a full scholarship. And my valedictorian graduated uh in four years with a degree in computer science and this young man with the two point oh he graduated in five years with a double major computer science and mathematics. <laughs> He is now well, you know. <laughs> a, Go ahead. He is now a senior systems integrator for Lockheed and his territory is the whole East Coast. He has people working for him up and down the whole East Coast. Well, so what I, thought, I was going to say is your bio does not lie. Absolute genius. It's just powerful. Well, you know, people are, are trying to get HSCC students, IT showcase students, students out of my direct program to come to their colleges and universities. They want to know, you got any more like William Humans? You got any more like John Haskins? John Haskins also came out of the, the uh, high school computer competition program. I met him when he was in the fifth grade and he was in a you know, summer computer camp that I taught. And subsequently he, he went on, he has gone on to become Dr. John Haskins with a Ph.D. in computer science from UVA in computer architecture. And at one so point he was... Of- at one point he was the he was a nationally known expert in embedded operating systems. Wow. I suspect that you have a lot of inspirational stories because you've had over a decade of working with the BDPA IT Showcase and, um, as I mentioned earlier in the bio, over... 25 years of working with the high school computer competition program. Uh, Some people may not be as familiar with the IT showcase. What are some inspirational stories from the showcase, and and what role does it play in a student's life when they choose to make that commitment to participate? Well, the IT showcase is a little bit different from the HSCC in that the requirements are different. <clears throat> Excuse me. What happens is the requirements are a minimum 10-page paper, a 15-minute PowerPoint presentation based on that paper, and a 3 by 4 foot poster which graphically depicts what's in the paper. And it was designed that way because uh, we wanted students who had who had gone through the IT showcase to be able to participate in a conference no matter what they had to do, whether they had to make a presentation, whether they had to publish a paper, or whether they had to do a poster. And so we rolled all that up into the requirements for the IT showcase. And it is a one-day conference. And students in the showcase aren't quite as on lockdown as the HSCC students. There's a lot more freedom to mingle with the adults at the conference and the other students, the 
and and they just I think they have a lot more fun. Um, one of the stories that have come out of there just this this past IT showcase, the winner was Michael Bijou. Michael Bijou is a student at Bowie State University, and Michael Bijou's mother flew up to Chicago the night before he was supposed to speak, and and so. She, she she sat there during his presentation, and that night she flew back to um, she flew back to D.C. And before she left, she told me that she was very thankful for what I had done for her son. And at that point, I learned that her son is actually uh, one of those A.D.D.D. children. Wow, and I may not have gotten that right, but I think you get the message. But I do. I do. The only thing that I said to her was, "Well, I didn't know that. I knew that he was a little bit hyper, but I, I think uh, I thought it was because of the push that I was giving. I'm very pushy." And she said that uh, he had never accomplished as much before, but. He, before last summer, he had never heard of GIS, and I asked him if he would take a look at the Esri tutorial, that's GIS software, and if he would look at that and pull out all of the parts that related directly to the project that we were doing and call it the Jeff GIS tutorial, and he did that and with no pay. And he is now our GIS administrator and senior GIS instructor. So I can tell now that he is ADDT, but, you know, the only thing I can say is everything I ever ask him to do, he does. And that's all I care about. Right. And and it really it goes back to that concept that Pamela shared in terms of setting the expectations, having very clear goals and providing that support. And it sounds like the support that you provide to the students is I'm looking for you to excel. Focus Absolutely. on the technology. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and essentially do graduate level work. Um, whether or not you're in graduate school, <laughs> so, because I know you can do it. Absolutely. Well, those are those are great stories. So, what's coming up for 2012 in terms of the IT showcase? Do you already have the students um, identified, and are they preparing their work? or is there some kind of selection process that they won't find out uh, who's actually going to be on the conference room floor until later? Uh, they won't find out who is going to be selected until, I think it's about mid to the end of April. But there are a number of students that are actively putting together the deliverables Okay. 
And let's go back to the um, JES, the Joint Educational Facilities. Would you share, Dr. Benley, with the listening audience a little bit more about um, the students that are involved in that program? How many students do you work with um, in that high school environment? Um, do you get to select them? Do parents come to you specifically? If you, if you could share a few minutes about that, um, because there may be listeners that you know want to replicate that model. Okay, well, the the Jeff the Jeff program the the IT showcase was modeled on after the Jeff program. Uh, what we do with the high school students is essentially the same thing. We we have about 30-plus areas of advanced computing technology that we can work in, and a student has to pick one of those. And the way the student picks one of those is during the interview, we get a feel for the student's likes, dislikes, strengths, weaknesses, favorite teachers, favorite this, favorite that, and some of their experiences. And a large part also has to do with what a, a student's future career goals are. You know, if a student says he wants to be this or that, then what we do is we try to match that with one of the technical areas that we work in. Once that technical area has been determined, we give a student a handout that has a small number of questions to start them in their research. And we want to know who started the area, uh, how did it get started, who's working in it now, what are the concepts involved, uh, we want to know uh, that you have a feel for the terminology. When you're talking about your subject area, we don't want you to sound like the man off the street. We want you to sound like a person who is actively involved in that subject area by using the terminology. And if the terminology has been around, then we want to know what are the applications, what is it being used for. If it's a brand-new technology, we want a student to try to project to determine um, what are possible future applications for this technology. So we don't teach students like the regular classroom model. We tried that when we first started 20 years ago, but we found that we spent most of our time trying to keep people caught up. So we changed the model such that each student has his or her own research area. And, and so then how do the other students learn about those other research areas? Well, part of the period of time that they're with us each student has to do a progress report. And that progress report is designed to show how much they know about their subject area, how much work have they done the previous week, and also to help them hone their soft skills, presentation skills, that kind of thing. So each student during the 
during the uh, those presentations has to stand up in front of the group and introduce themselves, talk about their subject area, and tell us what they have accomplished the previous week. And we, the the, the staff, ask them questions. Students are also encouraged to ask them questions. And those that line of questioning is what drives the research for the next week because some of the questions they can answer, some of them they can't answer. Some of the questions are, we design them so that they can't answer, so that they become research questions for the following week. So guided, those questions are guiding them in a direction such that essentially we're teaching them how to teach themselves. That is powerful. That that is powerful. That's a that's a wonderful sound bite that really connects teaching them to teach themselves, that whole aspect of the student as the researcher. Um and it, it really is a wonderful positioning and tie into from the classroom to the boardroom and BDPA members and, and students in general as technology thought leaders. Dr. Benley, I am really just overwhelmed with the um, the history that you've shared, um, the inspiration that you've shared, some wonderful stories, and I really look forward um, to you accepting the opportunity to participate in the show on a, a regular basis. Um, what's one final thought that you'd like to share with our listeners in uh, the remaining uh, one-minute segment of your of your interview? Well, the the one thing that I want to share is that all all out of all the time that I've been a member of BDPA, I've always been working to improve. To, to do things that will imp- improve the organization. And I still want to be able to get from my conference the same thing that I get from majority conferences, the same level, same level of expertise. And that's what I will continue to work toward. Great. Great. Well, you are setting the bar high. Pamela sets the bar high, and I know that our next guest, Janice Coleman, sets the bar high as well. Dr. Benley, thank you again so much for sharing some of your time tonight with us. Have a great evening. You're welcome to stay and listen in. And And thank uh, you for having me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And we are now going to... Welcome our third and final guest, um, Janice Coleman, who is president and CEO of Janice Coleman Corporation. And her company is a company that helps individuals and organizations achieve their goals by maximizing their human resource potential. And that's through their mind, their heart, and action-provoking keynotes, training, and career management services. For some of you that uh, may not know, Janice is also 
the facilitator and expert that provides the monthly career triage webinars for BDPA members. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Janice. Janice, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? Just fine, thanks. Oh, it's so good to uh, have a Philadelphian on the line. I'm, I'm yeah. seeing each other in person, and um, thanks for, for joining uh, me on the show. Well, Janice, Thank you for I'm, having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm going to start out with a traditional BDPA question before we get too far into uh, your segment, and that is, um, how did you get involved in BDPA? I know that you're bringing more of the career focus, um, and BDPA is a technical organization. So what was the attractor, and what's kept you in the organization? Well, uh, it's been over uh, over 10 years ago. I was invited to speak at the Philadelphia BDPA chapter, and it was at that time that BDPA members do what they do, which is recruit you regardless. And so, <laughs> actually, I was. Uh, um, I actually at that time I was in information technology. It's a little over, a little over ten years. I was in information technology, but I was emerging as a speaker. And so they invited me to speak. I spoke, and they recruited me. And the next thing, I found myself on the board, and. You know, and the rest is history. And so, um, you know, that's that's how I got involved with it, and um, and it's been a great experience knowing knowing everybody that I've had the opportunity to meet. Well, tell us a little bit more about what were you doing in technology ten years ago, and how did you? What led to your transitioning out of technology? Because many of our listeners, um are in technology and are facing some tough choices about having mm-hmm. leave technology, not by choice. Mm-hmm. So I'd like I'd like for you to share kind of your your story around technology. Um I I started out in information technology when it was called computers and data processing. And um <laughs> during during that time I, you know, did what I did. I did it well. I was in applications programming and and ultimately my last full time job in IT was with a large um uh healthcare provider in Philadelphia area. And so at the end of my career I was feeling unsettled and, and knew that even though I was good at what I was doing, what I was doing was not good for me. It wasn't it wasn't what I needed to be doing, and so I had to start to search out what I needed to be doing, and so I started to identify some of the skills that I had that I felt that were that if I used those skills, I would be more me than I was in the information technology arena. So I started to make some plans and started to um, you know leverage my skill set, leverage my network, and and started to launch out um, doing training. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I love information. And so what better way than to do what I love than to stand in front of a group of people and help them to become better at what they do. And so I um, leaped into education and training, and I aligned myself with an outplacement service, uh, outplacement, um, service 
provider or consultant firm and started career coaching with them. And that was uh, 12, 12 years ago. I gauged it by how old my youngest son is, 12 years ago. And, um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Hmm. So in your line of work, do you work exclusively with people in the technology field? Actually, I do not. I have, through um, through my alliances, I have worked with people from, as you would say, from the classroom to the boardroom. I work from people. I have worked with people from the classroom to the boardroom. I work with I work with students. I have worked with uh, students in you know, primary years. I've worked with college students. I've worked with IT professionals, and then an array of different careers, folks in an array of different careers. And given that for BDPA members for 2012, you are leading these monthly career triage webinars, um, Mm -hmm. how does the fact that you've worked with individuals in career transition across multiple industries, how does that help um, the participants within BDPA? Well, one of the things I've learned, Fran, is that uh, a lot of times from working with various uh, professionals in different industries, I've learned that people have so many transferable skills. They don't realize that they've developed over the years that they have been in in their career and working with the particular employers. It helps me to help IT professionals, BDPA members in particular, to become more aware that they do have more skills that are leverageable within the marketplace than just the IT skill set. And so they can look at that skill set. And I heard you use the word transferable skills earlier on um, in in the first interview. Um, They can use those transferable skills to, to create for themselves a different picture of the type of professional they can be in the marketplace. So what does that look like? Uh, For instance, if a person is, um, you know, in information technology, uh, in in systems, or in, in, um, you know, network administration, have they ever thought of becoming a teacher, teaching IT, teaching, you know, uh, networking or something along those lines. Um, have, they ever, have they ever thought of, you know, possibly uh, leveraging their skill set to um, work with some nonprofit organizations and maybe build even a, a different type of knowledge base so that they can possibly become um, a, a a CIO for one of those nonprofits somewhere along the line as they are maybe volunteering, you know. So so leveraging a skill set, going from transitioning for, my, for myself, when I transitioned from IT into education and training, I started training technical, I started training technical applications. I started training Microsoft, which was easy for me to do because I was already technical. Now I just needed the training um, training experience. So when I reflect back to 
to Pamela's interview in terms of setting the expectations. And as a leader, she created the environment and she continues to create an environment where expectations are high, the vision is clear, Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. have a chance to develop skills. And Dr. Benley creates an environment where a student may unsuspectingly come in in the interview process um, you know, interested in something. And I heard him say that he asked, you know, what do you like to do? Um, what are mm-hmm. you good at? You're passionate at? And then it makes that connection between the person and the project and then mm-hmm. develop some skills. So it sounds like in your work, you're doing some of those other, some of those things as well. Absolutely, because the way the marketplace is today, it is it's very challenging to just go from one one type of job at Company A and find that same type of job with those same type of job requirements at Company B. So, as as a professional, we need to learn how to um, showcase the that the differentiation from me and another candidate. We need to show company B that I can not only be that IT professional, but I have strong communication skills, I have strong writing skills, you know, I have strong um, interpersonal skills that can help me to not only support the company technically, but also build a, a, a different type of partnership between different departments. And so therefore I become more valuable to that company than than simply, and I'm not minimizing being a technical person, but using using all of the other skills that we've learned along the way um, is so very important. Mm-hmm. So the strategic skills of collaboration and teamwork, communication, yes. those are are critical. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, and so um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, for for some of our listeners that may be underemployed or unemployed, um, as they tune into or participate in the career triage, what are what are some of the tips that they're getting or action steps that they're getting that help them identify how to showcase? Um, okay, well, differentiators. What what we're doing is taking we're working on two levels in in career triage, and the ben the benefit that the um, the member the BDPA member will get from the career triage series is that it will help the member to um, become valuable inside the company or outside the company. So if a person is internally um, you know, they're working, but they feel they're un- underemployed or they need a career transition. It's going to help them with regard to seeing how they can market themselves, how they can, um, you know, develop a career path. And so for the person who's not employed, it's going to help them to understand the very same thing. It's going to help them also to understand how to do their resume, how to um, interview better, how to negotiate when they finally go, um, have an offer. So for each for each segment or each type of person, 
we are positioning this material to help them to survive in survive, drive, and thrive their career. Survive and thrive and thrive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, how does someone to find out when these air? Uh, what equipment do they need to participate in the webinar? Um, if you'll just sort of share some of the basics, so that if people haven't signed up, they can they can do that. They can find the information on the website on the BD, on bdpa.org, and then they need, of course, a computer and they need a telephone. <laughs> and um, all of the information, once they register, the information will be sent to them how to how to um, you know call in and how to get on the how to get on line so they can see what's going on. Is there a limit to the number of participants? I am not sure if there is a limit. Um, we would love to hit it. So if everybody, uh, everybody who's listening in on the show right now would, uh, you know, go out there and register. And if we hit the limit, I am absolutely sure that uh, BDPA's national president, Monique Berry, would be more than happy to increase the number of participants, of, um, you know, that can get on the call and on the webinar. How about that for setting expectations, teamwork, and collaboration? <laughs> I love it, and, and I would agree. I'm sure that Monique, Monique will do that. So, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> now, is there a fee for career triage for BDPA members? Um, BDPA is uh, sponsoring this program, so there is absolutely no fee to the member. Mm. So this is an incredible benefit. That Absolutely. It's value added for the member. It's part of um, the desire to continue to help the member to become the best IT professional that they can be. Hmm. Well, what's a, what's a tip? Let's, let's go back to the tips. Um, have you started the triage series yet? The triage series started uh, actually this month on February the 18th. So the next one, I believe, is the 17th of March. So it's the uh, third Saturday of every month, excluding August, because in August they'll be prepping for the national convention, the national right. conference. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on Saturdays, uh, the third Saturday of every month, um, what if I miss the first part of the series. Um, is there a way to catch up? Um, these are recorded, so we, are, we will be publishing them. Okay, okay. So that's, that's really an advantage of the technology. Um, people can find easily. The equipment requirements are fairly minimal, a phone and a PC. Um, if you miss it, you can catch the recording, and the information is certainly valuable. And it is set up so that whether you're employed um, and you're doing something in technology that you love, it gives you some tips that help you uh, drive your career forward. Um, if you're underemployed or um, unemployed, it gives you some 
tips to help position you for success. Janice, you know, you started uh, the interview segment off earlier with the fact that you are in the IT field and you took some skills and passion and you've progressed in your career um, and leveraged your knowledge so that you're able to share with others. As we wrap up the interview process, and I'm going to ask you to actually think about some of the prior interviews tonight, what's a thought that you have, um, whether it's a, a cautionary tale um, or an, an inspirational or encouraging uh, tip that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, from that career preservation perspective, I know that the program is called career triage, and typically one has triage when there's an emergency. Um, uh, but you know, what would you like to share with our audience in terms of uh, driving and helping their career thrive? Um, the thing that I'd like to say to the BDPA members and its sponsors, those who are listening tonight, that the marketplace has changed a lot from the years of the golden watch. So uh, many people, many people are caught in it, and so the companies want to stay solvent. They want to, you know, do what they do and stay, you know, open for business. And most people want to stay employed. But um, there's always change in the air, so we have to be ready for that. There's the only thing that's the only thing dependable on the planet Earth is change. Um, but we have to remember that regardless to what we find ourselves doing, be our best and eliminate the competition by being as unique as humanly possible. Um, so I encourage everybody to leverage their uniqueness and um, remember that blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. Ooh, I'm going to have you repeat. You, you kind of say that kind of fast. Say that last part again, starting with the blessed. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. And the correlation to the career process is? That is that we have to remember that we need to be flexible in our, in our search regarding, regarding our location, the company, the position, and the salary, um, you know, and, and never give up. Never give up. Keep right on moving. Um, you know, there may be some changes we have to make. That's why I say be flexible. There may be some changes. But, and there may be some, um, you know, compromise and some, uh, you know, bending of, of what we thought we might get. But, you know, if you want to get back into the marketplace, that's what you have to do sometimes. Great. Well, Janice, for our audience, if you would share, again, the website that they would go to, in order to sign up for career triage, and um, also if you'll identify the next date of the uh, next webinar. Okay, um, career triage, you can go out to www.bdpa.org and you can log on, um, you can register, actually register there. And the next career triage, I'm looking, and the next career triage is March the 17th at um, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Okay. 
So the third Saturday of every month, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, with the exception of August, the Career Triage webinar will be held. And Janice, um, when they tune in live, is it interactive? Do they need to have printed something out on a PDF? How, how does that work? Um, it, is, it is interactive. What, what I'll be doing is going through uh, basically an, an entire session. Um, this next session is on resumes. Um, it's resume, resume rescue. And, um, you know, so we'll be talking about uh, some of the dynamics of a resume for the 21st century which is totally different than the way it used to look in the 20th century. And so what they'll need is, um, you know, to know that we'll go through, they'll go through the session and then they can raise their hand during the session and ask questions that they like. And um, also they can, uh, we do, we'll have a Q&A session at the end after I'm done the entire, um, the entire um, segment. Then we have Q and A at the end. So when someone logs on to the webinar, they mm-hmm. will actually see a PowerPoint display, and you'll go yes. through a presentation. And the presentation yes. portion is about forty minutes. Well, the presentation portion is um, anywhere between forty-five and fifty-five minutes. Okay, and then at the end of that. Given the the neat thing about technology, oh, you know what, you know what Fran? Yeah. I am sorry. You're right. Well, so the presentation part is about forty forty to forty five minutes. I'm sorry. Okay, and then they can raise their hand at the end of the presentation, and literally because people are on both the phone as well as the computer, they can ask the question or they can type in a question, and that will show up on your screen so that you'll be able to respond over the telephone and everyone can hear. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. You're correct. Okay. So I'm, I'm uh, sort of breaking that down to help encourage people to realize that this is a way to get access to an expert who helps people with their career transitions, their career destinations, their career aspirations, and that Janice is available for BDPA members the third Saturday of every month. And she's identified a number of topics that are extremely relevant, and so you have access to great information you have the opportunity to ask questions, and then you have the opportunity in between the sessions to apply that information. So if for some reason you are at a point where you're wondering, how do I stand out? What do I do next? I've got questions. Janice is here to help you. So Janice, um, I really thank you for spending a little extra time. I know that we've gone over. I know that it is a school night, a work night, a business night, and I really appreciate you sharing, again, your wisdom and expertise. And and thanks for leading um, really a very innovative initiative within BDPA. 
So, oh, well, you're um, more than welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and I am uh, really looking forward to hear that the lines, the webinar was just, you know, overwhelmed, and um, uh, I really would love to have you back on the show at another time to share some okay. of the success stories. Great. I look forward to it. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, everyone, thank you, very thank, much. thank you so much, Janice. And so we are going to finish up our show for February 28, 2012. I'd like to again thank our guest. Our first guest was Pamela Sexton, Vice, uh, I'm sorry, Chapter President of BDPA Chicago. And she was, for the last three years, the National Conference Director. Our second guest that I'd like to thank is Dr. Jesse Bensley. Uh, Bemley, excuse me, founder of the High School Computer Competition and the IT Showcase. And our final guest, who I'd like to thank, is Janice Coleman, President and CEO of Janice Coleman Corporation. The BDPA iRadio Show airs the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. And on almost every show, Wayne Hicks, the Executive Director of BETF Foundation, presents updates so that you're aware of how your dollars and your support are making a difference to the chapters, the BDPA chapters all around the nation. Have a great evening and join us in two weeks when we come back on March the 13th. Have a great evening. BDPA iRadio showcases IT entrepreneurs, technology experts, computer science academics, and people with a passion for educating our young people in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. BDPA iRadio show serves the BDPA members, sponsors, entrepreneurs, educational institutions, and the black community. BDPA iRadio links business, education, and technology. 